Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, we sure did learn a lot about bees on Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Tremendous. Thank you. Branding, Brent. Did you All get... about that branding. Honeybees don't believe in child labor laws. They when don't. When a bee is born, it's their job to clean out the honeycomb cells and also keep the hive warm. Honeybees only live up to 50 days. Female honeybees are responsible for guarding the hive and making the honey, while the male's only job is to mate with the queen. Ah, <laughs> what a life, huh? What a life. I think yeah. people would sign up for that. <laughs> now, honeybee is the only insect that produces food eaten by man. Honeybees go buzz. That was all capitals. I wonder what happened you, on that play. Do you know play. what play that was? Uh, Take a guess. The interception? No, it had something to do with analytics. Oh, that was the fourth and two? No, the, I'm no, sorry, the, the two-point two conversion. conversion. Yeah, uh, yeah, if yeah. the queen bee dies, workers will create a new queen by selecting a young larva. Mm. and feeding it special food called royal jelly. This enables the larva to develop into a fertile queen. Takes one ounce of honey to fuel a bee's flight around the world. Really? Yeah. Around the world? Around the world. Well, because, I mean, they they have small bodies, Brent, keep in mind. Like, they don't eat that much honey, obviously. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, One ounce. That's interesting. Yep. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, coos here on a uh, Monday. Jags lose again. Austin Lane delivering uh, an education on bees and honey bees. At least something. And so the idea of this was building the brand, of course, the honey brand, the honey bee brand, yeah. the busy bee brand, well, busy bee uh, endorsement coming soon, we hope. No, well, the idea kind of stemmed from one of my friends like, hey, how come you don't live tweet like during the games like everybody else does? And I kind of told them like, well, I prefer just to watch it. You know, like, I don't like to live tweet because I can't focus what's going on. And then they're like, well, you should just do something completely random where it's like, you know, like you just kind of have fun with it because that's who you are. I'm like, that's a good idea. So I'll, I'll do B-Facts. And um, it kind of took off a little bit. I got a lot of positive feedback. A, a little couple people were kind of weirded out, which, hey, that's that's the story of my life right there. So it's all good. But now people want me to do this every single week. So people are throwing, like, suggestions what I can do next week. I like it. Yeah. So some see some people are weirded out by the Jags, quite frankly. As you should be. Uh, Jaguars lose again. They're one and three. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> They, uh, we have now given them four games to suggest they're otherwise. Yep. And uh, they have a defense that just can't stop anybody, can't get home on the pass rush. As I said yesterday, crappy offensive line is better than the crappy defensive line. I mean, we know they were the two weaknesses. Might be the worst offensive line in football, might be the worst defensive line in football. And obviously the gap is pretty large mm-hmm. uh, after yesterday. That's. It's, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. That's just the way it is. I mean, they're not good. And uh, we kind of knew that. We kind of figured they weren't uh, as a whole. Uh, but trying to find it when you're not good is maybe fruitless, you know, uh, and that's not going to happen. I don't know if there's a fix to it other than outscore people, and Jags can't do that right now either. You know, it, it leaves you with mixed reviews because or mixed feelings about everything. The offense, to me, if you really break it down, still you're looking at numbers that say 350. DJ Chark obviously looked apart. LaVisca Chenault, they got him involved a bit. He was fun again. James Robinson did his thing again. I still don't think the offensive line is an eyesore. I think Gardner Minshew, the eye test to me says there's something off a little bit the last couple of weeks, but the numbers say, hey, it's been pretty good. You know, I mean, that's certainly winnable football. 
if you're scoring 25 points in the NFL Mm -hmm. and really could have been as much as 28 or even more if they make the one field goal and so you know and and make a play here or there which we'll get into I mean everybody can say that but it's winnable football on the offensive end you know and you're in catch-up mode the whole time so it feels like almost the offense at times isn't playing well because if they don't score our expectation is almost like straight out of the big 12 if you don't go down and score well then you ain't keeping up and so you have to be flawless and that's just the way the team is now I still don't think we've established an identity of this football team. Yeah, the offense is pretty good. It's the best offense we've seen around here in a long time, probably. Yeah. Uh, the defense is historically bad right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I still – I was looking for going into this game, okay, offense, show us how good you are. Show us the identity of the team. You go out there and make them play catch-up. Well, an interception right away and then a couple of missed field goal. Don't go after it on fourth Throw and the two. coin toss in there, Brent. Throw that coin toss won in the there. the coin toss, there all go. that stuff. There you go. Well, listen, the bottom line is they won the coin toss, and it was a better start. So it, it, the first they half it, they were in the lead. They threw an interception. I know, but yeah. it was still a better start. Uh, so they threw a wrinkle yeah. in there. there. There we go. Uh, and that's they had <laughs> there's a sunshine of rainbows. Yeah. There's a sunshine of rainbows. But, but coming you almost through. feel like they should have had a twenty. To, if they're a good offense, like a real dynamic offense, a dictating kind of offense, if that's the identity of your football team, it would yeah. have been twenty to ten. And then you force maybe Joe Burrow into making a mistake or two. It never got to that point. Instead, other teams are getting to that point where the Jags mistakes really add up on offense, even if it's just one or two, because now you're not keeping up. Uh, with the other team's offense. So it's uh, it's discouraging. I think we asked this question earlier in the year. What's worse, the 150-yard output offenses that we've seen under Blaine Gabbert earlier this decade or a defense that just, quite frankly, can't stop anybody? And I still maintain the offenses that can't throw for 150 yards in this kind of day and age in the NFL was more devastating to watch. Although I admit it's very frustrating to watch a defense when you know if you're down a score late and you need a stop, you know you're not getting it. You just can't get it. You can't rely on them to do much. So the day and age, like to me this year, 2020, and how the NFL is being operated right now, this is a new age in terms of offense and defense. Because in case you haven't noticed, pretty much every defense in the NFL sucks. They're all okay? bad. They, they can't stop anybody. Offenses are scoring, putting up points um, with – record-breaking, I guess, pace, let's just say. So every defense around the NFL seems like, you know, they've taken steps back. Okay, but what's the difference between, you know, the decent defenses, the defenses that win games, and the defense right now that Jacksonville Jaguars have? couple things, but number one, turnovers, okay? Turnovers, whether it's interceptions, turnover, whether it's quarterback sacks. The Jaguars right now are not creating turnovers. Sure, the offense is looking okay, right? They put up, I think, 430 yards uh, against the Bengals, pretty decent. But once again, Bengals put up 500 yards. So you can say what you want to say about that. But at the end of the day, it comes about, you know, creating the turnovers and getting that defense off the field, that that bend-but-don't-break mentality. Number two, and... This is, I guess, where a lot of my frustration comes from, and this is why I don't tweet during the game and I'm tweeting B-Facts instead of what I see because I don't want to say something I'm going to regret in terms of language and in terms of you know making ESPN 690 look bad, but guys being out of position once again, okay? For instance, Chris Claybrooks. Chris Claybrooks essentially got thrown in the fire yesterday, right? I think he, what is he, a sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick out of Seven. Memphis? Seventh-round pick out of Memphis, right? I don't think he was expecting to play yesterday. I was expecting him to play yesterday. I don't think anybody was, but guess what? He got thrown in the fire, so he had to play. And not on one, but two plays, gap integrity, maintain the outside. 
Now, I'm not expecting Clay, Chris, Clay, Chris, Clay, uh, excuse me, Chris Claybrooks to come in right away and have an all-pro performance. But I am expecting him to know, hey, if you have the D-gap, if you have the outside, then you got the outside. So whether that's not getting through with coaching, whether that's just him being super naive, but like those two plays, were, those are big. I think one was uh, Giovanni Bernard went outside, and literally three or four plays later, the Bengals are like, all right, well, let's try this play again and see what happens. Mixon, touchdown. We'll see you later. Thanks for stopping by. Mixon had a big day. So to me, it's a combination. It's not creating the turnovers, number one, but number two, it's just it's the fundamentals. And I understand this is the youngest team right now in the NFL, and I get that. But this team is also compiled of veterans, veterans who have done this for a very long time. And that's not translating to being in their gaps and doing their jobs as well. So if you have veterans that are in the wrong place sometimes at the wrong time, if you have rookies that are in the wrong place at the wrong time, that leads me to believe that whatever the goal of this defense is, whatever the overall thesis of the goals of stopping the run or whatever you're trying to do with this defense, it's not getting through to the players right now. Yeah, and I, I it is uh, probably this combination that there's no simple answer, right? It's, uh, it's the defensive coordinator. It's the scheme. It's the new players, the young players. It's even some old players not making plays. I mean, D.J. Hayden continues to take a slide here in 2020. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that's happening to number 25, and I loved him the last couple of years. I mean, I raved about him. I, I said they should make a Pro Bowl spot for the nickel corner because of D.J. Hayden, and he's not playing that great. I could point to some veterans. The, the problem is your veterans better be really good and not make the mistakes in critical spots if your young guys are going mm-hmm. to make some mistakes. You, you think of O'Shaughnessy with the huge hold play. This was on offense, of course. But even Tyler Eifert, I, I know it's not a drop. I know he got popped at the end of the play. But at the same time, those are the plays you got to make. If you're going to win, you got to make them. I mean, that's the difference, right? Uh, so you can't. You said it. The difference is turnovers because that's what they did in week one. They got two opportunistic turnovers. And by the way, Miles Jack got one heck of a turnover yesterday. Miles Jack had a day for himself yesterday. And it was was an incredible play, and it was opportunistic, and it saved seven points. So that was a huge play in the game. But they need, like, one or two more. I think you are exactly right. You hit. We talked about this last week, right? My thought on watching college football in the NFL was defense is gone. Mm -hmm. Defense is dead. It's almost impossible to play defense in football. It's imp- it's really hard to play defense in football. I know the Indianapolis Colts look pretty good at it right now, but give them time. Don't worry. They'll give up a 30, 40. They'll give it up yeah. because it's too hard to play in the NFL and in football in general right now. But you do see these defenses coming up and making plays at important times or opportunistic times. And the Jaguars right now on the defensive end, we celebrate one play. We celebrate three and out or not even a three and out, a punt. Like, punts are celebrated right now in Jacksonville. They are. It's like, oh, baby, they got to stop. Maybe the Jags' offense can either go catch up or get ahead by a score or two. That's where we're at with this defense. And I understand they reconstructed this thing. They ripped it down. But, again, we asked this question in in the summer. Have they gone 180? Did they go 180 on this thing? And Dave Caldwell went 180 when he first started this. He went super young. He got rid of Daryl Smith and guys like that, and it didn't work. It backfired. It was a it was a regret of theirs. They should have kept more of those veteran guys. Okay, so they don't go as young, but they also got rid of everybody that made more than 
$8 million on this roster. So now you don't keep Calais or you don't keep one other player that's a star player that would complement these guys so well. You leave yourself naked in the interior of your defensive line, essentially. Uh, and opt-outs had a little something to do with that, the Outwoods and, and obviously Rodney, Rodney Gunter. In fairness, when they constructed the team, they thought they had some better replacements on the defensive line, and they got gutted. By by the situation, by the opt outs and, and by obviously Gunther's um, really unfortunate situation with his condition. So I, I guess it wasn't completely like, hey, we're just going to say we don't need any of these guys and, and we're not even going to try to replace them. Mm. They got a little bit of bad luck in that part, but they have gone super young in the secondary and really you question how much talent is there after the C.J. Henderson and, well, D.J. Hayden. And where else is their talent? Like you really can wonder. You can really ask yourself where else is their significant talent in that secondary until we learn more about these young guys. But here's my issue with it, and I agree with you there, absolutely. I mean, the secondary was depleted, right? You had to rely on some guys who don't have a lot of experience. You're not sure where their skill levels at right now. I understand that, but my issue is like with a guy like Chris Claybooks. Why doesn't he know that he has to present the outside? Why doesn't he know he has to contain? Why doesn't he know that? Like that's not a talent issue. That's a that's an issue of knowing your assignment, of knowing your job. And it happened twice. It happened one time. You think, all right, it happens one time. You coach him up and say, all right, that can't happen again. And then you do the exact same thing over again. I'm not saying Chris Claybrooks isn't talented. I don't know who Chris Claybrooks even is. All I know is that he's a rookie defender right now who doesn't know how to fit in this defense. So to me, if he doesn't know his assignment, if he doesn't know he has to contain on the outside run plays, well, then that has to be – you know, drilled in his head saying, hey, man, you have to have outside. You have to have outside. It's as simple as that. So I understand talent is one thing, but being in the right spot, playing your gap, having gap integrity, that doesn't take talent. Yeah, if he missed the tackle on Mixon because he – I would have been okay. It would have bounced inside. You would have help coming but, back. But when you just give him the free lane yeah. twice in a row to that outside and there you go, it's a touchdown, um, that's problematic. So, yeah, are you getting enough of that coaching reinforcement, whatever? Are you smart enough to do that? Do you have the football IQ to do that? I mean, that's football too. That's not NFL, college, high school. That's football. You've been doing that probably all your life. I mean, mm-hmm. so you got to be focused – and and make those plays. You know, listen, there's a huge talent gap probably between C.J. Henderson and Claypool. Uh, Claybrook, sorry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you still have to know where you're going to be. And uh, you kind of thought that they were getting those kind of guys, guys that knew where they were fundamentally supposed to be on this defense to help secure the run. And that got a little bit blown up yesterday. That's one of the big problems with yesterday. It's not that they got beat by the Bengals. Joe Burrow throws for 300. Again, if every quarterback throws for 300 yards against the Jags, you're not surprising me. You would not surprise me. But I said that in July, man. I mean, that would not be a surprise. You're not supposed to run for 200 against this defense. And I know Miles Jack then went out of the game in the second half, and you got some guys hurt, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to run for 200. And guess what Cincinnati did? They ran for 200 yards against this defense. That is what you spent the entire offseason trying to fix. And you did that by making yourself a little bit less dynamic, you know, and maybe even a little less speed, yet they're still 
way out of place on these misdirection plays or just on generic run plays anyway. So uh, it's it, it's a problem right now in Jacksonville, but it's not getting any better. I mean, I guess you can teach that up a little bit more, right? Maybe Clay <laughs> yeah, Brooks doesn't I mean, make that mistake next week. Yeah, Maybe he's well, learned from it. Listen, But uh, still, there are a I lot would, of issues that aren't going to get fixed here in 2020. Brent, I would hope so. You know, and listen, when you have one of the youngest or the youngest NFL roster in the NFL – don't talk to me about talent. Talk to me about coaching and make sure these guys are set up for success. Because when you have the youngest roster, they, they a lot of these guys haven't been there before. All right, they, they don't know what 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 the, what the rules of the NFL are like. They don't know. You know, I mean, it's one thing to do a walkthrough in practice or a walkthrough in the hotel. But what happens when it's live rounds? What what happens when you're actually in a game and it's going a million miles per hour? Are these guys ready to succeed? And yesterday I saw some guys that were not put up to succeed. Now, whether that falls on them or the coaching, you guys can be the judge of that. But I'm just saying, if you have the youngest roster in the NFL, you have to do a better job of coaching them up. I, I agree with you, too, by the way, on the coaching front. We're going to get into that. But I, I said this on TV last night. I want to be consistent with my praise and criticism. And I praise the coaching staff for some of their adjustments and having them ready to go in the first two weeks. Well, the last two weeks, I think they deserve a lot of criticism for not being ready to go on a short week against Miami. And they got outplayed. They got out hustled. They got out everything. And then yesterday, they obviously got out. Look at the third quarter. 17 to nothing in the third quarter of the Bengals. Not to Tom Brady and the Bucs. To the Bengals and Joe Burrow rookie QB. And they got outworked, outcoached, out everything yesterday in the third quarter. Those are adjustments. That's on, that is on coaching. It does go back to uh, the players, of course. I think it's a players league. But there's got to be some element of coaching in there. And in terms of you brought up, uh, you know, a few minutes ago about the identity, right? Every team's got to know what their identity is on offense and defense. I think offense, they have a pretty good idea of what they're good at, good at and who they are. On defense right now, what's been the, the, the constant every single week, whether it's Todd Walsh talking or, the, you know, his players talking, it's stopping the run, stopping the run, stopping the run. I'll make an argument and say they have regressed every single week and what they're supposed to be. Okay, they come out every single week and say, we got to stop the run. We got to stop the run. Well, I'm reminded of the Miami game who and I can't remember Miles Gaskin. I have no idea who who's Miles Gaskin even is. I'll be honest with you. I don't know who Gaskin. Do you know where he came from? Mm. I don't know who that guy is. He got put on the map against the Jaguars. And then John, you know, Mixon's kind of like a guy where it's like Joe Mixon's kind of a guy like, well, you know, he's kind of regressed a little bit this season. Just got the new contract. Can't really get going in the run game or the pass game. Well, get the highlight tape ready. You know, if he makes a top 100 NFL, you're going to see a lot of Jaguars cuts up there. Same story. So to me, I'm a little perturbed. I'm a little, I find unsettling the fact that you are supposed to take pride in stopping the run. And these past couple weeks, every single week, you've regressed and got worse and got worse. That That's not how an identity is supposed to work. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the identity will be the offense of this football team, and they haven't established themselves enough like that. But I think you're right. On the defensive side, you've told us your identity is to stop the run, and you didn't do it. I think that was demoralizing yesterday. Third quarter, if Joe Burrow had come out and just started slinging it, Again, I'm like, well, I kind of there's gonna be a little bit of that, especially when he's got four seconds to sit back there and throw it. Yeah. I mean, everybody comes out of that game's like Joe Burrow, man, he's really good, he's really good. Listen, every QB against the Jags looks good. They can't get to him. No offense. Listen, Joe Burrow might be the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. He does look pretty good early in his career, but I'm not giving. I mean, listen, a lot of quarterbacks sit back in that pocket and throw the ball around the yard. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens. So the fact that they ran all over him on those two drives is is very disheartening. And it's kind of like, okay, you said it. You were going to do that. If you can't do that, we already know you can't defend the pass because you can't rush the QB. That was, again, that was an exclamation point yesterday. They can't rush the passer with four. 
Yeah. Worst offensive line in the NFL. Yeah. They beat them. Yeah. And so uh, if you can't stop the run, well, now we're now well, we're in now we're in for a long a long season. And this is and listen, shout out to the Bengals fans because they're out in full force. You know, I, I did my three takeaways video and I even commented of how I thought the Bengals offensive line was trash going into this game. And then I had Bengals fans come out and say, "You don't even know what you're watching. The, the Bengals are actually a pretty respectable team." Yada yada. All I know is that if you give up eight sacks against the Eagles, you're you're not a good offensive line. Yeah, about Simple fourteen more hits. Simple as that. So so don't tell me you're a good offensive line. And I said it, and you actually called it. You want to see more blitzing this week, and I said, let's just calm down a little bit. Let's see what this defensive line can do with four because this offensive line is a liability. And I think Todd Wash took my side a little more than your side and much to the regret of the Jacksonville Jaguars because they couldn't get home. They, they couldn't get home against a pretty mediocre, a pretty bland offensive line. And that's the frustrating part about this whole thing, too is that this was the chance. This was the breakout game. Like, offensive lines, hate to tell you, they get harder from here. It's not going to get easier all of a sudden, right? You had a rookie quarterback, and you had a very mediocre offensive line just right for the picking. And you get home, what, once? And that was kind of on a, with all the respect to Josh Allen, kind of a fluke yes. in terms of, I mean, a sack's a sack. Congratulations. Got a sack, dude. That's, but, no. you know, it, well, I'm just saying. It shouldn't be season, counted as a sack. But at the end of the season, man, it's going to say, yes. yeah, that, so it is what it is there. But my point is, this was your opportunity. This this was the audition for the defensive line to get home. And unfortunately, they didn't get home. Yeah, they failed. And, and my point last week in saying that was I'm I already we already know. Why wait? Why yeah. wait? We know this, this Cincinnati is not going to be the barometer if you can get home. They're one of the worst anyway. You're not going to get home every week, that's for sure. So go go give it to the rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they'll say they blitzed on first and second down. What I just don't when the Jags blitz, I don't notice they're blitzing. Why do I notice what other people are blitzing? Because they get home. And or Doug Marone, they you'll hear from Doug Marone. He explains it. Like, I get the explanation. I understand it's not as easy. I always preface this with when the offense isn't going well, you go to the two-minute drill. Mm-hmm. When the defense isn't going well, you blitz. That's what we say. I get it. It's more complicated that you've seen it. You've done it. It's more complicated than that. But I still see at least once, twice, three times, five times a game when I watch the NFL, somebody's coming Without getting blocked because you outnumber the offensive line on a blitz. Why haven't we seen that this year? Not once. So is it the right blitz? Are we bad at blitzing? Are we calling them enough? I think those are fair questions until I see somebody just nail the quarterback that didn't get blocked because you fooled them or outnumbered them. Mm -hmm. And I'm still waiting for that part. Okay, what about the offensive side? Let's talk about it. We come back. Uh, Gardner Minshew to me is very interesting. The numbers look good. Is he playing as good as the numbers look these last couple of weeks? And really, the numbers weren't great last week. But yesterday, the numbers, man, everybody's going to buy the numbers. 350, yeah. two touchdowns. Really a nice play on the interception, although I still kind of thought he forced it in there. But it was a nice play when they showed sure. the replay and described the play. Uh or are we just demanding too much from Minshew because we know the defense is too bad? I, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little mixed on Minshew, and I'm a believer in Minshew, but mm-hmm. I'm confused a little on Minshew the last couple of weeks, even yesterday, at how to come out and feel about him. And so I need a little help. Maybe I got you, you man. I got you. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. You're always welcome to join the conversation. 904-362-9901. Star Star 690 as well. It's a Monday, and it's not a Minshew Monday. It's another one of those miserable Mondays. We'll try to keep up the energy anyway. Until 6 o'clock on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. They probably already have one. Cornholing. Austin Lane. <laughs> you can have a call from PR in a little bit here. <laughs>
Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, it's not a lot of errors, you know, for, for say, like in the past where you're like, holy cow, this, you know, something, something's bad. But it just seems like, you know, when it's time for us to make plays, and, and there have been times where they've made plays, but to make it consistently, you know, that's, that's what we're striving for. That is Doug Marone uh, here on a Monday. You know, I, I was just trying to tell you this about Doug Marone. He's very uh, measured right now in... And not panicking. And I think keeping his cool, I, I think I give him credit for that. In the building, you got to stay that way, especially, you know, you got to stay consistent. You don't want to go peaks and valleys, especially with a young team. So I'm trying to look at it from his point of view. At the same time, I said in our postgame show yesterday, I'm like, he got mad because someone was walking through the door and he's trying to answer a question. Yeah. And so he was kind of ticked off about it. I was like, I almost feel like I wish he was a little more ticked off in the front part of the press conference about playing so bad and losing two weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think we do that a lot, you know, especially on Sundays. I wish you were as mad as I am about watching this crap yeah 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 yeah, for sure yeah uh but then you think about it you're like listen in his position he's got a young football team you know i guess i i see it i i think he's probably handling it the right way the only thing i say to that is austin this is how it's not acceptable to lose i'm not saying they're they're accepting that uh, that, that's that's like calling a football player soft to say somebody's accepting losing. No one's accepting I, losing. I think they just know what they are. Like I think they know who they are. I think I don't think Doug Marone is surprised to see them giving up thirty a game right now. I don't think he fully blames Todd Wash for that. Mm-hmm. I think he knows that they have some deficiencies to start the year. I think they knew they were going to go through some of this mud. Right now, I think if once they start getting people hurt, they knew the depth of their team was going to be super challenged. And so, like it or not, I just think when you when he went through this season and when he went through the plans of this season, he said, listen, we're going to struggle a little bit. Like, you know who you are. You've seen good before. Mm-hmm. He was around in 17. Mm-hmm. It's a far departure on that side of the ball from 17. Uh, and, and, you know, that happens, too, in the NFL. But I just I get the sense that Doug's like, hey, how can we get him better in the next month than we were in the first month in November than we were in September and October in December than we were the first three months? Like, that's his motivation right now, knowing that, hey, we knew we we're going to take some lumps, but let's try to play better football as we go along. And then maybe our offense and defense will start complementing each other. I think he's trying to show patience. I, I don't I don't know if I should be hammering for that him for that approach or if I should be applauding him for knowing at least who he is and his patience that he's at least having right now with this football team. See, this is the problem. You actually brought this up during the break. I mean, you said it, it sounds like a college program. The, the way he's going after, but it he, really he, does. But here's the problem with that, though, Brad, and I agree with you. I mean, it, it absolutely does sound like a college program that you're running. But this isn't college football. This is the NFL, where you have to win right away, no excuses, right? In college, sometimes we give coach a longer leash because, you know what, he's got to bring his own guys in. He's got to turn things around a little bit. Yeah. The last coach made it a, a mess, and now he's got to clean things up a little bit. You don't have that excuse in the NFL, all right? You have to go out there and win because everything is supposed to be so competitive, right? Like, every single week in the NFL, each team should be able to win. You know, sometimes you have the Chiefs, things like that, but usually that's the way the NFL is set up to play out. And right now, the Jaguars can't do that. So I understand what you're trying to say. Well, do we give them a little more credit? Do we give them a little more leeway to say, you know what, let's just let's just coach these guys up a little bit and see what happens. 
you can't do that, man. This is the NFL. It's the most cutthroat business there is. And I think a lot more frustration also stems from the fact, let's not forget about the sound bites that we heard during training camp. They essentially cut the guys that they didn't want on their team, right? And Doug Marone came out and said, we like our guys. We, you know, we, we can be successful with these guys. And you know what? Week one, I bought in wholeheartedly. I'm like, maybe Doug Marone knows something I don't know, right? It was like they know a secret, and we weren't let in on it. I'm like, yeah. James Robin, okay. Okay, James Robinson. I see. We all like that yeah, team. exactly. But then after that, and in Tennessee, I think we kind of like that team too a little bit, even though they lost. But these past two weeks – don't like the team. Don't like the team anymore, right? And even when Dave Caldwell came out and said, you know what? Let's just wait and see what happens here. Like, Dave Caldwell knew something that we didn't. Let's Look, just Dave, wait and see Dave's how this plays play, out. We played it on TV last night. Yeah. Caldwell said, listen, you guys, all this tanking stuff. He's yeah. like, can you at least let us play? Yeah. And I love this team was his quote. I love this team. Mm-hmm. Well, Again, we let them play four games now. They're one and three, and nothing is different on the defensive side other than two opportunistic plays, and you could maybe blame Rivers, but I'm going to give credit to the defense. They made a couple of plays. Outside of that, it's looked really the same and unfixable right now. And weren't they compared to the the Saints team that was really successful when Doug was there? Yeah, 06. He was talking about that team. He's like, yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. So, and listen, there's still a long way to go. But the road doesn't get easier. Although the next month, if you look at the records of the teams they're playing, if you're any good, it certainly isn't hard. I yeah. mean, you're talking winless Houston twice. The Chargers are one and three, and Detroit's one and three. We just kind of see this thing, and it doesn't look right. Uh, a couple of quick thoughts. I want to get to Gardner Minshew. Okay, mm-hmm. this, this segment's really about Gardner Minshew because I'm a little confused on Gardner Minshew. I need some help. I got you. Uh, but I want to just I want to bring this up now because I know I'll forget. And this has been my test of the Jags. And again, I'm just trying to be consistent with this as we go along, whether it's good, bad, and different. And Doug Marone told us that this is what we thought we knew about the team. This is what we were kind of told about this football team, that, hey, this is what it's going to be. Doug wanted to be a cleaner football team and a more disciplined football team. First couple of weeks, I think that was evident, right? Yeah, it might have made a mistake or two against Tennessee, and it cost them. But overall, it wasn't like 12 penalties and, and all this stuff. Well, now you revisit those, and there's interception early in the game. There's 40-yard run holding penalty. You know, there's some critical defensive penalties. Mm-hmm. There are big penalties. There might not be 15 penalties or even 12, but there are some critical penalties. So from a disciplined and clean football standpoint these last couple of weeks, they're not delivering on what they thought they could be. They said stop the run for the first three weeks. Essentially, they did. This week, no, you're not delivering on who you told us you would at least be. The known commodity of this team would be to stop the run. 200 yards. That's why you redid this thing, because you gave up 200 yards like five times last year. Mm -hmm. Resilient. They looked resilient week one. Didn't fold the tent. Week two, didn't fold the tent. This was a big one for me for the resilience. And, yeah, I mean, it's not like they got beat 40 to 10, but... Now it's two weeks in a row. It's starting not. It's looking like a team that I don't know. They still have. They're finding their resiliency, or are they still resilient? You know, sure they didn't give up. They still had a kind of a little chance in the last couple of minutes of the game, but I don't know if that resilience to me was as clear the last two weeks because that Thursday night game was a debacle all around and it never showed up. Mm-hmm. And then this one as well, even with eight days off in between games or nine days off in between games. Uh, And then the other thing I will say, I think Marone preached to us, said the offensive line is better. 
And I, I do think he's right. Even with Shatley gone and even with Cam Robinson, they've been able to run the ball. Uh, Minshew's had time. Uh, so surprisingly now, I think Minshew's up to like 13 sacks. Mm-hmm. So that surprised me because it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like he's been swallowed up. I feel like he's had time. I mean, sure, there's been times that people have got to him. But I think Doug's been right about the offensive line. I think the offensive line, they liked it better than we all liked it. Uh, and I think he's been right about that. So I, I always I put this down because I want to go back to it almost each week and said, hey, you thought you'd be this. Well, the last two weeks to me outside of the offensive line, they're really not who they thought they would be. Instead, mm-hmm. they're who everybody else thought they would be. No, without a doubt. And that's obviously the most frustrating part of it. And also another fact is, listen, we'll see how Tennessee and Indianapolis finish the season out, right? I think, obviously, one of them are going to win the division because Houston's probably not going to win it. Um, you know, and Tennessee's still undefeated, but we'll see how they work with COVID-19 and things like that. But when they got beat by Tennessee, what was the narrative? It was like, man, just, you know, a couple plays here or there, and the Jaguars probably would have won that game. You know, we always go back to that squib kick, but it was more than that one play. But it wasn't like we're talking about, well, the Jaguars got out man and out gunned. You know, the, 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 they got yeah. pounded. No, like the Jaguars held their own. They like, looked like just, an NFL team. Exactly. And then the Miami game, it wasn't like Miami came out with this, like, this new designed offense Taylor made to beat the Jaguars. It wasn't like Ryan Fitzpatrick was this all-world kind of guy. It was just breakdowns in the secondary. It was breakdowns in fundamentals. And then this past game with the Bengals, it's the same thing. Like I haven't left any of these games thinking, man, in terms of talent, Jaguars are like outnumbered big time. Like that's not how I feel about these losses. How I feel about these losses right now, it's you guys just aren't playing proper football. Like you, you guys are shooting yourselves in the foot. The Bengals didn't be. And once again, maybe I have teal colored glasses on. Maybe I'll get a lot of shout outs from Bengals fans. But to me, the Bengals then beat the Jaguars. The, the, the Jaguars, for the most part, beat the Jaguars yeah. in terms of mistakes, I agree with that. mental errors, and things like that. Like so, Burrow didn't even do anything spectacular. No. He just kind of got what he, they gave him. So I, I have yet to watch one game this season that the Jaguars have played where I sit back and say, well, they just got outmanned. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they, they just got That's outplayed. I mean, what do you want to do? Now, maybe Houston will have something to say about that this week. But four games in the season, I haven't said that yet. Yeah, that's a fair point. All right. Uh, so I want to get to Gardner Minshew. We'll talk so much more about all the defense. And I want to get into the coaching aspect a little bit later on, too, because there were some questionable things about coaching. And I do think Todd Wash's name comes up because more so from a spark standpoint than anything else. But we'll get to it. Gardner Minshew. Mm. I'm a believer in Gardner. I think, man, look, if you look at the numbers, right, and the numbers are silly in, in the NFL right now, but he's keeping up. This is the best quarterback play we have seen around here in a long, long time. I mean, we have got to acknowledge that. This is a the best quarterback play that we have seen in Jacksonville in a very, very long time. And, and he should get a tip of the cap for that. Hmm. He is doing some things that people would sign up for, like 72% completion percentage. I mean, that's incredibly good. I'm going to tell you exactly where it, it fits. It is... Sixth in the NFL behind Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers, Jared Goff. It's better than Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and those guys. His quarterback rating is pretty good. It's over a hundred. I mean, very good. It's over a hundred. Uh, all the typical quarterbacks are over a hundred, including Josh Allen, who's having a really nice year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the touchdown interceptions for Gardner, eight and four, respectable. You know, he's uh, made a couple bad throws, but respectable. He's getting sacked the second most uh, in the NFL, uh, third most behind um, Burrow and Watson. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, again, it doesn't feel like Does that. Doesn't feel like that. Doesn't no. feel like that. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards. The two-minute stuff was good. He got in a great rhythm there after the interception. He bounced back. He showed some resilience. But when it mattered in the third quarter, they had two three-and-outs after the holding penalty against the James Robinson run. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was an important time for the quarterback to answer. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was an important time for the quarterback to make something happen. I felt like it was an important time for the Jags offense to respond. And what I remember saying during those two three and outs after the, the penalty was, I don't know, man. Mitchu, I think I tweeted, Mitchu looks a little rattled right here on a play or two. Also, there was a time in that where they, they showed the wide view and the receivers were just not open. Like everybody was covered up. Yeah. But the play I go back to is that first down play on the second three and out. O'Shaughnessy going over the middle and he threw a bad ball. Now listen, everybody throws a bad pass here or there, but that was a big moment. That was a moment where if you pick up six, seven yards on first down, you know what you do next? You hand it to James Robinson, who's really doing a heck of a job. Yeah. Instead, you go second and ten. Now you That's when they showed the high-level view of, of everybody covered, had to throw the ball away, and on third down had to throw it away again because I think they got a little bit of pressure. So, bam, two series, holding really derailed it on the first series, and then the first down pass that would have just been a six- or seven-yard simple play, which he's been very good at because he's an accurate thrower, he doesn't make the play. So at that critical time, I was like, man, he looks antsy again. Looks like he did kind of in that Miami game. Looks like he's rushing or pressing or just, I don't know, everything he said that he wouldn't do in terms of just let the game come to him, it doesn't look like he's doing. And then in the two-minute after the end of the game, he piles up some numbers, looks good. Where should I be on Gardner Minshew? Because I'm confused. Again, I am watching some of the best quarterback play I've seen since I have been in Jacksonville from this guy. Yet, I still, my eyes and the feel of it at times say, I'm not in love with it. Yeah. Am I being too picky? No, I'm, no. I mean, let's let's just call it like we see it right now. Week one in Indianapolis, we, we came in here, we were celebrating Minshew Mondays, rocking jean shorts, headband, Minshew's I, the guy. I bought more headbands, and I haven't been able to wear it since. <laughs> so week one, Minshew was the guy. Week two, I think Minshew was the guy. Week three, ugh, you know, yeah, yeah, play better, man. All right, that was a one-off. And now, now we he did not here. play well on Thursday night. Correct. I'm not going to say that about yesterday. I don't think no. it was like he did not play well. Sure. But now we sit here on a Monday, 27 for 40. 67.5% completion percentage, 351 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Whatever that QB rating is, probably not that bad. You know, and if you didn't watch that game and you saw the box score, you would see those numbers and be like, solid day. Solid, you know, he probably had a mistake. I didn't, I didn't see the throw, but he had a mistake, interception, but probably a pretty solid day for Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm here to tell you right now, that doesn't matter. Those stats... Throwing two touchdowns, throwing for over 300 yards, that does not matter. And here's why. Who else is tied to wins and losses more than a quarterback, a GM, and a head coach? Absolutely nobody. Like, in the hierarchy of who's responsible for wins and losses, it's 1A, 1B, and 1C. Quarterback, GM, uh, and obviously the head coach, right? This season, to me, it was never about winning a division, all right? No matter what I saw week one against the Colts, it was never about winning a division to me. It was about finding out if Minshew is indeed the guy going forward or not. And the way I saw this season playing out was, listen, 
we're going to have a really good idea of what Minshew can bring to the table. You brought in Jay Gruden, very offensive-minded quarterback-friendly coach. You brought in Ben McAdoo, right? And you drafted LaVisca Chenault, and they say James Robinson was supposed to be good, and so far he is. So all the pieces were there for a proper addition to see if Minshew's going to be the man. The problem started to happen, though, is when the defense couldn't have his back at all. And the defense started making it really impossible to evaluate this quarterback position. So I'm here to tell you, I don't care how many yards the guy throws for. I don't care how many touchdowns he throws for. And I don't care what his QB rating is. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying this is the way it is. If he doesn't win games and the Jaguars are going to be picking you know, anywhere from 3 to 7 to 8 to maybe 10, well, if Trey Lance is going to be there, if Fields is going to be there, or somehow they can get Trevor Lawrence, if he's going to be there, they're going to have to go with the quarterback. And once again, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying you got to win ball games, and that's just the way the NFL works. What about Dak Prescott then? What do you mean? How's he doing? Doesn't matter, right, because he's built up equity already. Dak Prescott has established himself as being the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for years and years to come. The paychecks are going to say it. The teammates say it. Everyone says Dak Prescott's going to be the real deal. Look at Dak Prescott's numbers. Obviously, he's putting up big numbers, not winning a lot of games. But he has the seasons under his belt. Minshew doesn't have that. And once again, I'm, I see what you're trying to say, Brent. And, and, I, just and I agree with too. you. I'm not, even, no. I'm not even arguing against that, but that's yeah, a good no, answer to that. It, he's got the equity built up. Yeah, he's got the equity because built up. Because he did get down 41 to 10 before he started to play, apparently. W- without right? a doubt. Without a doubt. And, and the Cowboys right now. And they're way better on offense at, on paper. True. But the Cowboys, they're in shambles as well. They're not winning. They're underachieving like you wouldn't believe. At least the Jaguars, you know, expectations are kind of set out. Everyone's talking about oh, Mike McCarthy, the analytics he's bringing. The Cowboys are a dumpster fire. But with that being said, we know who Dak Prescott is. And unfortunately, once again, Minshew, we're not quite sure yet. And if it gets to the end of the season, Brent, and he doesn't win a lot of games, what are you going to say? I mean, you got to go in a different direction. I've been uh, so defensive of the quarterbacks around here to give them a chance and give them a shot and give them time from Bortles to Gabbard over the years to whoever. And I'm a believer in Minshew. And yet I'm trying to make sure I'm I'm, I'm critical with the eye that, that didn't work for those other guys. And you're sitting there and saying, well, now you might be in the mix for a top 10 pick if the season keeps playing out this way. And so I like I get what you're saying, although I see a lot of good things from Gardner. And I'm just telling you, I'm really like if I'm sitting there talking to the folks in Brent in Mississippi right now. Absolutely love Gardner Minshew. And they're telling me, Brent, what are you talking about? You see that throw? You see that play? You see this play? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I, and by, and by the way, I would also say, hey, if Eifert hangs on to that football, that was a beautiful throw. What else more could he do? If, if uh, James Robinson doesn't get that run back, I mean, they might seriously have scored. Uh, let's just say, let's just give them 10 more points on a field goal and, and a touchdown because they were on the doorstep on the Eifert play. That's 10 more points. I mean, maybe they're scoring 35. So it's really, I, I feel like we're being maybe a little overly critical right now of Minshew. There's a part of me, but when I look at it and I want my quarterback to elevate and take, take this team to somewhere it hasn't been and be the identity of this offense, I scratch my head at a couple of those possessions in the third quarter. And by the way, the slow start, because the slow start was something that you didn't want to happen. Mm. You, you took the coin toss, and I know we joke about it, but you took the coin toss to get down there and establish the identity, the lead, make them play chase mode, and instead gave it over to them on the plus side of the field. And fortunately, that was one time where the defense actually stepped up and did a job for first time all year, really, yeah. uh, that it did something. So I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I I am mixed on, on Minshew right now. I'm, I'm trying not to get 
swallowed up in the numbers of Minshew. And I understand wins come to a, a part of it, but I also would say for Minshew, it's like the defense isn't even giving him a chance. Like, but, he can't Brad, make a mistake. Listen, I'm not saying it's fair, man. I, I, I'm not saying it's fair. It sucks because right now, Minshew, I think his future is going to be whether he's a product of an environment or not. Like, you, you brought up Dak Prescott. You know why Dak Prescott is still the Cowboys quarterback, and you know why he's gonna, about to make a lot of money? Do you know why? Because he got drafted into a great situation. He got drafted in a situation where he had a great offensive line, a great running back, and a great defense to have his back. Minshew doesn't have that defense right now. No. Right? So once again, I understand. If he puts up big numbers, and I'm on Team Minshew, man. I want to see – you know how I feel. I want to see him be successful. What sucks about it, though, and I, with everything I know about the NFL is if he doesn't win football games, if the defense continues not to have his back, it doesn't matter what you do, man. And once again, not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. We just got to say that's the way it is, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, We'll see. I mean, you're probably well, right. But I, mean, I, I just don't know if I fully believe that. When you're putting the, the bet, some of the numbers he's putting up and you the measurables and, and if it looks good on tape to some of them uh, as well uh, – I, I'm not going to write that off. If they go four and twelve, I don't think that automatically says that he he can't be the guy. If he keeps putting these numbers up and the defense gives up 38 a game, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Okay, I mean, let's. I mean, let's, Oklahoma's let's, won Heisman trophies. No, <laughs> the, the quarterbacks have won Heisman trophies with their defense giving up 40 a game. Sure. But, of course, they won a lot of those games too. <laughs> so let's then let's play those exercises real quick. Let's say the Jaguars realistically with this schedule right now, what do you see him winning, Brent? Four games, five games? I'm going to give mean, him, not even. I'm three starting or, to dip. Three or down four. To three or four. Okay, so that's going to put them realistically pick four, pick five, well, pick six. In this year, I would say between four and seven. Yeah. Okay, four and seven. So you mean to tell me right now? If you win two or three, maybe four games if you're lucky, and you're drafting, like you said, maybe draft five, six, pick number six, whatever, and you mean to tell me if there's a quarterback there, the Jaguars are going to pass up on that quarterback nah. and take something else. No, because I think I was thinking of this the other day. I said, they'll go with, hey, Mitch, you beat him out if you can, or we got one hell of a backup. Mm. I mean, yeah. but see, I feel like I said that to myself today. Is Mitch a backup in the NFL? No, he's really not. Like yeah. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. The question we're asking around here, is he the franchise quarterback? Is he the Joe Burrow? Yeah. Is he the Patrick Mahomes? Is the Watson? And I guess in my own mind, I was like, can we have baby steps here? We haven't even had a freaking quarterback. No, I so, hear you, man. I mean, now that you got a quarterback, like a guy that's a legit starter in the NFL, I think Minshew is that. No, for, listen, I'm not disagreeing with you, man. And I'm like, listen, when the season started, I was the biggest advocate to keep Minshew and see what he's got, and I'm still doing that right now. But my point is, when the season started, I thought Minshew would be writing his own story right now. He's trying to write his own story, but the defense keeps on ripping up pages. Yeah. So it's hard to get a full evaluation well, and he's of made some of his own mistakes. He I think has, he has to clean some of it up. I, I do think he has some spots that he could clean up and make it at least the eye test look even better. Steven, hang on the line. If you want to jump in on Minshew, 904-362-9901. It's an interesting one. It tugs at you a little bit because there's evidence on both sides. How do you feel about Gardner Minshew? More on the Jags coming up. More on week four of the NFL. Plus a little college football talk because really interesting weekend i thought it was in college football it's on the way espn 690